Here's Gourlamic. Hey guys, and welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. This is Kenny. This is Ian. And Paul Damien here. hey Hey. And this week for our movie episode, we are going to be talking about Inside Ewan Lewin Davis. <laughs> oh man. You and Lewin Davis. I think <laughs> I technically recommended this movie. Yeah. Yes, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll go that far. Uh, it's a Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Ethan and uh, Joel. Yep. Coen. The, co- the, the boys. The Yep. The co uh, co men, and I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I traditionally like Coen Brother films. So. You know, that's a good call. I don't think I've seen too many of their films. Really, I definitely have not. Really, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I like, can't think of one other than this one. <laughs> wow. I mean, well, I, I'll I'll go down the discography or discography. Yeah, I'm the sure filmography here. Some, there might here be in a like moment. No Country for Old Men. You've never seen? No, really. Their yeah. first big one was Blood Simple. Yeah, Blood. Oh, oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Nope. No. Nope. Raising Arizona? Fargo? Nope. The Hudsucker Proxy? Yeah, no, I haven't seen him. The Big Lebowski? You know what? I was watching The Big Lebowski <laughs> the other day. Also, another movie with John Goodman. Uh-huh. And I just, I love John Goodman in any anything, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, John Goodman um, is like an actor I think they really like to use when they Yeah, can. no, he's in for like sure. most of their movies. Most of their movies. At movie. least some of them, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think he's in like six of them or something mm-hmm. like that. It's Have you like, seen uh, Burn After Reading? No, I haven't. Have you seen Burn After Reading? No. Ah, what about True with, Grit, like, the, the True Grit remake? Oh, yes, I've seen You've seen one. the True Grit yeah. remake with So the, you've seen, you've seen a handful of their movies. I've you've, seen literally three of them. I, <laughs> so, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Technically, that's, that's a handful, I guess. Yeah. Either way, Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. So Inside This, this Man. Is, yeah. Coen Brothers does folk. Yeah. Musician, you know. And, uh... It's pretty much a true to heart Coen Brothers film in the sense that it's a little bit of a, like a like a, a slice of life story and not so much like a cohesive yeah movie you know storyline that you would get like mm-hmm. a traditional you know start to finish you know you definitely we I mean this whole movie starts with its finish which yeah. I think is meant yeah. to be the kind of big surprise at the end but I love that about this film I love that it brings itself back around like that and the beginning is kind of jarring and confusing and by the end you're like oh <laughs> this all makes it has kind of been put together now do you want me to um, read the uh, the synopsis oh, yeah. the top rated synopsis here on IMDb on the IMDb it says a week in the life of a young singer as he navigates the Greenwich Village folk scene of 1961 and that was written by anonymous <laughs> and it's funny because uh it looks like the production company made their own one and then some other like users have made their own like synopsis and that's the top rated one is nice. the one by anonymous <laughs> and i think that that's perfect cuz this movie is kind of just it 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 is exactly what that one sentence states you mm. know what i mean it's just the life it's literally a week yeah, it's, it's just exactly one week one that this week. movie takes place in and um, I like to imagine that this is just his cycle that he goes through yeah. every week, you know? No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, none of these events are anything particularly new or, yeah, you know, like exactly. jarring for him, yeah. This is uh, starring Oscar Isaac, Carrie Mulligan, uh, Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? That was a surprise to me. Uh, there's Adam Driver in there for a good section, John mm-hmm. Goodman for a good section. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a neat movie. You know, I watched this movie on Amazon Prime, on Prime Video. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever you press pause or anything, it I know shows where you're you the going. cast. Yeah. And 
every time it showed for Oscar Isaac, uh-huh. it showed his the guy who played his father. I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I saw took, the same issue. I took I took pictures because yeah, it shows the the actor that plays his dad. Yeah. But then in the scene where his yes. dad's in it, it it's shows... two different pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a like slightly out or like yeah. a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a glitch on. I'm glad we all experienced that. <laughs> I didn't think that much into it like y'all yeah. did. I just yeah. noticed that the first time I was like, oh weird, it's glitching out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember because we were seeing it. You know, our TV is like across the living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley was like, "What? What is that? Is that an orc? What is that picture?" <laughs> it looks terrifying thought, from a distance. I thought kind of the same thing. I was like, "Is that like a mythical creature that he acted as <laughs> one time?" And then it got to that scene, and I was like, "Oh, it's just messing up." Yeah, they don't have his photo for some reason. It uh, that's his character from Bright, is what it is. <laughs> oh, there you go. There it's his go. character from Bright. <laughs> I hate that sound. <laughs> um, but yeah, Oscar Isaac is pretty good in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is 2013. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he could sing so well. A dude? Yeah. Right? His performances, and it, it's kind of bewildering. Bewildering? I don't know the word. Bewildering, yeah. Yeah. That everyone kind of passes over his musicianship. Dude. You know what I mean? Like, no one truly gives a shit. I feel like... If anything, it's probably the best performances we see in the movie is Definitely. him. Yeah, you know? when he sang for his dad, it mm-hmm. like made me want to cry. Actually, I, I did cry. And then the other song that also got me really emotional was um, when he sang uh, The Death of Queen Jane. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That for the, so for Bud, whatever his Grossman. name is. Bud Grossman, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool that we were so able to So you did like it. this movie? Oh, yeah. I love this see, movie. See, I was a little worried because I know you're not big into like acoustic folky oh, music yeah. so much so i was a little worried you would not it's, like having to sit through it's all not, of these dudes with an acoustic yeah. guitar you know because it's full-length <laughs> songs in this movie yeah you know, it's very coen brothers to have them sing the they didn't entire feel thing. like full-length songs well because they're folk songs yeah. they're like two and a half minutes of, I mean, in, their, a, in their best day <laughs> that's the funniest thing about folk music it's either two and a half minutes or 12 minutes yeah. <laughs> or like 12 hours <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. um but it's it's no i i you're right i'm not that's not what I look for in music, but I, I listen to plenty of folk. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't I don't find it as um, impactful mm-hmm. as, as, like, most people kind of do. Mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot of people really love seeing just one guy and one guitar really go out there and bang it out. And I, I can respect that for sure, but I, I feel like it's... It's more so like the whole package yeah. and not so mm-hmm. much like the poetry of the lyrics sometimes yeah. for me. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, Oscar Isaac's fucking incredible in this movie when it comes to singing. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. His acting's obviously... Even his acting yeah. while singing. Yes, yes spot exactly. on. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, how did... Who... Paul, I mean, this was your first time watching the movie mm-hmm. also, right? Yes. Kenny, you had seen this movie. Yeah, this before. was... And I technically watched it twice for this rerun, so oh, okay. I've now seen it three times. Yes. Okay. Um, what is your... How was your first impression when... Sorry, I'm taking my keys You're out fine. of my pocket. Um, how was your first impression when he wakes up after the punch in the alleyway in what we're supposed to assume is a stranger's home, mm-hmm. like, through context? How was your mm-hmm. first opinion of that? Like... Yeah. So, like, because I, you know, I, I watched it and then I rewatched it with Myra is why I ended up yeah. watching it twice. And so when I was prepping her for the movie, I literally told her, I was like, look, this movie is just a bunch of stuff that happens to this guy that's kind of shitty and is going to kind of make you feel bad for him. And I was like, that's pretty much the, this whole film, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's like what it's kind of set up to do. Um, but I love this film. I love how the m- music in this movie carries it. 
yeah. through its story because it's the first time we hear fare thee well is uh-huh. through that whole kind of opening yeah. monologue exactly like where he wakes up with the cat on his chest and he's just in like upper new york you know and we get that whole little bit and he plays the record and leaves but i think it's such a beautiful introduction to new york in a movie you know like something you don't traditionally get and i think it's such a good way to because it, exactly it's meant to be almost jarring where you're like wait what the fuck's going on right yeah, now you know just a huge skip um but from the moment the cat runs out the door, you know, you're just you're just in this ride with this character. I feel like I feel like that's just such a perfect catalyst right out the gate. That once that moment happens, you're like, shit, and the door closes. And you're like, shit. So yeah. now you're just stuck with him on this ride of dealing with this situation. And honestly, the cat's one of my favorite things about this movie as like a running that theme. That was a yes. later edition. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. So apparently in an interview, Ethan and Joel said... Um, we read through the script, realized, oh, this movie has no plot. And Nothing that's when cohesive. We threw, that's when we threw the cat in. <laughs> so, like, honestly, when I first saw the cat, I was like, that's a beautiful cat. I hope he's a part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, like, immediately was like, yeah, he's a part of the story. I was like, cool. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, so, one thing that Ashley and I will always have to do every time we realize an animal will be somewhat of a focal piece in a mm-hmm. movie is I have to immediately Google, does this animal die? <laughs> you need to know. Yes, yeah. I will Google, I was does the, the cat die thing. in Inside Lewin Davis? And the answer is no, because there's two cats. Yeah. Maybe is the actual <laughs> answer. And so... I don't know. It's just crazy that, like, I Googled it because, uh, like, in a rush because we were watching the movie. And hold on. My phone thinks I'm talking to it because I said Google so many times. <laughs> and um, and so it, like, it said no. You know, the cat at the beginning of the movie ends up in the apartment at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. And so I was like, okay, that's all the information I need to know. Little did I know that there was going to be the surprise middle section. Bonus Dude, cat. when yeah. you left that fucking cat in the car. I was so mad. I was like, don't you do it. Don't you leave so, that fucking cat there, man. That leads me to my next question. Do you guys find Lewin Davis um, sympathetic? I think hmm. I think he's actually kind of a sociopath in a little bit of a sense that yeah. he's kind of only in it for himself. Everything we see is him just kind of doing what he needs to do to survive. Yeah, you know everyone's I mean? kind of like a bit player for him. Exactly. He's, just, he's I, using anyone and everything he can to get by in life. I can see that, but the way I saw this movie was more... As an after effect of somebody killing themselves. Oh, interesting. Like, so, you, like, living the same day over and over kind of idea? Yeah, and, like, just him being in the gutter. And it all stems from <sighs> that moment where his friend killed himself. You, A lot of people talk about Mike, I think mm-hmm. was his name. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, they all seem sad. Yeah. yeah. And they all seem like they've had to deal with it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Like, Jean... I feel like maybe she started having sex with random people because of it. You know, we don't know that. Maybe she loved Mike or something. Oh, okay. You know, so there's just little things here and there that tell me that this is the repercussions of a best friend killing themselves, you know? I mean, no, yeah, that's a good read into it. It's interesting because the movie really wants you to to feel for Lewin. And Mm -hmm, of course you have to, because like it's, it's well-played. It's all right there for on display, but it's like, I think it's done kind of in the same way as like the Joker, where it's like, you feel for this character, but they're not necessarily the moral, you know, center of all of this. It's like a fall from grace. If anything, I would argue Justin Timberlake is probably the most morally centered person in this (laughs) entire fucking movie. He's the only person who does anything to help anybody else. (laughs) Um, So, Um, because I honestly think, I think Jean, Carrie Mulligan, that's mm-hmm. her name, right? Is I I think the Coen brothers kind of suck with female characters. And I think oh. she's a good example of that because she's the, my least favorite thing in this movie. And it's I not that like I think her acting is bad. I think she's 
pretty poorly written. I think she's oh. not given her day. In, she's basically written to be kind of a depth. shitty person. You Definitely. know what I mean? Like yeah. where yeah. she's just like, you fucked me and now I'm pregnant. It's all your fucking fault. And it's like, <laughs> listen to yourself, you know? Yeah. And that's her entire argument against him throughout the whole first half of the movie. And it kind of drove me nuts because, it, I mean, he says, he's like, you know, so you, did you ever hear it takes two to tango? It's like that right there. Like, how is yeah. she so irrationally angry with him? Like, yeah. Um, but I think that's more due to poor writing as a, for a woman than, you yeah. know, than anything I else. I can see that. I feel like, yeah, it's, that is exactly what her character exists for is that kind of dilemma for Lewin. Lewin. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it's it's in- interesting that she doesn't get any real redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. Um but you know I to go back on Ethan and Joel as writing females like mm-hmm. I feel like one of the best female characters in the galaxy is from Fargo. Oh true. You know like the main cop. That is so, so argue. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe when a female's the focal point they can be a little bit better at it. I but. think it, the person has to be the focal, focal point, point no matter how shitty they are for them to write a character that is a good character. I you know what I mean? So I, I think that that's very Because look at some of the side characters of Fargo and it's like yeah. like the whole date scene with the weird Asian guy mm-hmm. and it's like, why did this exist? You know, like <laughs> and that guy's not the greatest written person either. Yeah. You know, so that's true. No, that's that's interesting. Um it's almost like each of their movies are written for one character to exist in a world that's only for them mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's only their hurdles their mm-hmm. dilemmas it's we get it, to experience it almost on their shoulder right you know? yeah no that's true like there's not too many well i haven't seen burn after reading i feel like that movie probably has mul- multiple focal <laughs> points does. throughout the movie that right? movie's fucking wild <laughs> honestly that is that would be something fun to watch for this simply because it's like the other end of coen brother films like hell caesar you know mm-hmm. which are just like exactly they have like 20 focal points and they yeah. packed in as many actors as they could to just make it a crazy you know as crazy of a thing as they could and i yeah. think those two movies definitely hit that mark and out of the two burn after reading is the one i would recommend okay i think it's um so yeah if that was if y'all wanted to watch a kind of a crazier cone movie at some point down the line i think that would be the one to kind of do because it's uh yeah it's 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 a wild ride for sure <laughs> um that movie has both george clooney and Brad Pitt yeah. in it. And, and Francis McDormand. Right. No, but I'm trying to make like kind of a oh. weird connection because those are both guys from the Oceans movies, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has Oscar Isaac and Carey Mulligan, which they're both from Drive, which oh. came out two years beforehand. And they also played like a couple in that movie as well. I totally <laughs> forgot Oscar Isaac I didn't Isaac even actually put that, that together. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she was... The the girl, yeah, right? The, yeah. yeah, she's the, the love Ryan interest. The Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Is, sorry, that Patrick I can't, I can't believe I didn't actually put that casting <laughs> together. That's so funny because I definitely know those actors are in both those wow. films. I, I think that's my first interaction with both of those actors. So that's Where's where drive? I, that's oh, where I always resort back for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's funny is because exactly it's, oh, Oscar Isaac is in Drive is yeah. exactly the mental space that creates that dilemma. <laughs> so I want to talk about there's the weird like ride into purgatory that this movie does mm-hmm. uh-huh. I, I i we're gonna jump all over the yeah, place no we're all over it, yeah. but i want to talk about this part specifically because it's the part where john goodman comes in and then the, his driver played by john garrett five. garrett headland oh dude yes, his the voice tron. they do yeah tron. it is the tron boy. his voice in this movie who, so good who johnny five yeah. johnny fives yeah like the so way, just the, him talking yeah. yeah so good so i wanted to talk about his character okay first of all i always got him mixed up with the Pacific Rim, man. See, I do too. I literally <laughs> I get those two mixed up. And even the one that's from like Logan. 
that's like the antagonist oh, in that right. movie. I even yeah. get him mixed oh, up. Is he Australian? Uh, is he Australian? That actor? Uh, maybe. Is that the same guy from Deadpool? No, that's even another guy. That's yeah, another that's even one. Another and I think guy. that guy is Australian. <laughs> <laughs> so, what if they all are the same guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very possible. But I want to talk about Garrett Headland real uh-huh. quick because this man, he's not in a whole lot Mm-mm. that's very like noticeable anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess his big break was the the Tron sequel. Yeah. And then he kind of didn't ride those coattails very well. Cause he's not really in too much more after that. I guess he's in unbroken. Yeah. Look, this is the guy I'm talking about from right. Logan. Doesn't that just look like it? Yeah. That's Johnny five right there. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I guess so. With a mustache. <laughs> um, so anyway, I wanted to talk about this guy because I, I think this movie would have been fucking sick as if, he didn't play Johnny Five, and instead it was a guest appearance from Ryan Gosling. And it was like the drive cast accidentally in this movie all over Dude. again. And he played a driver. You know what I mean? And yes. so I just thought of like this weird because he's also playing a similar character where yeah. he doesn't talk and he drives around bad guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so, very like uh, internal. Yeah, he yeah. chooses his words very, very specifically, person. if anything. Yeah, yeah <laughs> strange too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought that that how sick would that have been if that he was just sick. a fucking if it it was just drive all over. <laughs> it was just drive. Like, I wish Hollywood like halfway could through be... the movie, it's just drive for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I wish Hollywood could be more meta like that in times like these, where it's not mm. like they're intentionally. It's like Ready Player One, where it's like, oh, you're gonna get to see all these Easter eggs from other movies. I wish shit like that could yes. happen. It's like, yeah, just this is our <laughs> this is the Cohen's love letter to Drive, exactly. just yeah. smacked in the middle of this movie. That that's actually kind of a sick, <laughs> imagine yeah thing to imagine. And um, I think it would have been dope. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, there is the. So I want to talk about the the opening scene again because what are mm-hmm. they called? The Gorlins? What are what's the Gorfines? The Gorfines. The Gorfines. Gorfines cat. The very nice people that continuously let him into their house, even though he's yeah, even though he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. So that opening scene, did someone yeah, rip that's one? <laughs> Well, something died in here. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. I promise you that. Okay. I can if you want me to. <laughs> Might as well I got one loaded. I'm just <laughs> There it is. <laughs> here, yeah. Just keep going. But yeah, the Gorfine's beautiful home with their beautiful cat. Yeah, so the opening scene, I wanted to talk about this because he, he definitely, he's obviously done this a million times before. Yes. But he makes himself at home. He makes himself an egg um, in the pan. But also he puts on his own record mm-hmm. with Mikey. Right. And obviously that's a good, like, narrative piece for us to understand, like, hey, they were a duo before, hence this guy's not around now. But at the same time, I feel like it leans into that same sociopath idea where Mm -hmm. it's like, this guy, the first record he decides to put on is his own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... It's, I found that very off-putting immediately. I was like, oh, no, I don't think we're supposed to like Lewin Davis. And the only other thing That's I think storytelling-wise they could have done that for is to basically be like, these people were fans of his, and that's right. why they deal with his mm-hmm. bullshit and let him stay in their house yeah. because they see him as something – they put him on a pedestal, you know, right. which he also happily takes. You know, that's just yeah. it. He happily takes that pedestal he knows he doesn't deserve, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that scene um, – because it's – crazy that you see it like that because i i go back to the whole suicide thing that i was talking about i see right. that scene in a different light after learning about the suicide, the suicide right. like he is trying to stay back in those times you know and i guess that's why it it broke me so much when he like gives up on music yeah in the movie 
like just giving up on his dream, you know? Yeah. Even though it's probably a weekly thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's probably, yeah, yeah, just another week of Lewin. There was nothing more yeah. in this movie that I felt like I uh, related to than the whole nonsense of him trying to get his goddamn maritime <laughs> license back, you know, and just all the struggle, like yeah. the paying the money and then them having been thrown away because he told her just to get rid of the whole box. Just every little bit of that, I was like, God, this is shit that happens to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was, I really felt that whole struggle when he's just like exactly trying to give up on music and just go do this other thing and it becomes somehow just equally impossible even though it was supposed to be the fallback option you know so i was like damn it because he's so relatable you don't you're not supposed to like him but there's a lot of shit that happens in this movie that's like incredibly relatable yeah i um, thought it was hilarious he tried to get his money back for oh, his, his money, money yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly <laughs> i was like dude come on when he no when he first like came back with the receipt and he's like well at least i can get the money back i was like oh yeah that's true he should just get the money i didn't like i was in his me- mental space where it's like you know this is me this is my rules this is my world you yeah. know what yeah. i mean like, like <laughs> maybe and and that kind of leans towards the sociopathic mm-hmm. tendencies yeah. you know yeah like, exactly. he's like this should work in my favor what are you talking yeah, about exactly um Folk music. Folk music. The music Fucking in this movie, music. even the music that's supposedly like make funnable or bad, uh-huh. I was like all on board with. Yes. And what's, so, what's the the army boy's name? Because that's uh, also, Troy, Troy Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's one of the best scenes of this fucking movie too. When he wakes up and he's just eating the bowl of cereal yeah. above him. Because also something I incredibly relate to is yeah. Lewin Davis. It's just some asshole being completely inconsiderate to my sleeping space. <laughs> <laughs> do you think gene fucked him um, they, that was like a weird thing like to have w- been watching it the third time that's where my headspace is at with her is like did she fuck this guy we never even see jim speak to him but she's like oh me and jim said he can stay here yeah, you know yeah. and it's like so much of like her being involved with every dude in this movie that i was yeah. like are we just supposed to hate her and assume she's a whore with every single male, male <laughs> character she comes into contact with like it's very odd it's yeah it's it's a weird character that they have to use as that kind of catalyst throughout the whole movie Mm -hmm. like to the point where like that's the whole reason poppy even allows him to play the fucking venue again the gaslight you know what i mean so it's just uh i mean i see it as like her trying to fill a hole Mm -hmm. again for mitch's death literally and mike mike Mike. Uh, mike's death you know that's because i'm thinking of mitch which is one of the gorefines oh mitch gorefine yeah who actually talks about that he said mikey's death affected us in all different ways we're each trying to fill the hole in so different ways, you, you know. You saw this movie very well, where it's like, like this is a whole crew dealing with Mikey's death in mm, various every, different ways. Yeah, exactly. You essentially saw this as a movie about grieving. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, this and is that's hit, essentially what they're all going through. Our they're center characters process struggle, yeah. and then everybody kind of else in his spectrum who also would have struggled with it. Exactly. See, I'm such a big Oscar Isaac stan. I only saw this movie as a what the fuck, Oscar, get your shit together. You know what I mean? <laughs> see, like, that's where I was on board. Exactly. I just watched this movie as a let's see how many shitty things can happen to this guy in one week <laughs> and him just keep hustling through it, you know? <laughs> um, there is uh, Jim, who is played by Justin Timberlake. Yes. At first, I did not realize it was Justin Timberlake. Really? But I was like, that guy so i want to talk about all the times he's singing throughout the movie yeah because he's obviously like the best like in quotes talented singer yeah yeah the most experienced yes yeah Yeah. we can give him all the praise we want (laughs) he's got the biggest timber boy (laughs) big dick (laughs) um and so he 
I wanted to talk about this because I feel like everyone's <laughs> singing their parts in this movie. I'm sorry, the parts sound like really baby laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's there for. Um, no, but everyone's singing their parts in this movie, mm-hmm. and everyone has such real voices mm-hmm. that it almost sounded at, like every time he was singing, how fucking fake it sounded. Because he's like, like, dial it back. Yeah, but it's like actually his real voice. You know what I mean? Like, it's like he We're not exists- getting sexy back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he exists on such a different spectrum that every time he sang, I was like, oh, well, that's fucking fake. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, my mental, like, first, like, impression. But then everyone else is singing, like, real from the heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it just, it was very interesting to have Justin Timberlake in this movie. Yeah. Do you feel like that that was a draw that the Coen brothers were trying to do? Or do you think that he was well casted in this movie? I I think he's just kind of a random character. Just, like they just kind of put a character, a successful character and they're just like, Hey, we can get Justin Timberlake to do it. Yeah. I almost believe he had to have had more, more scenes than what we get in the movie is one big thing I would say on Jim, because I feel like there's parts that he should have been there and then he's, but he's not. So I feel Mm -hmm. like he was almost like cut or trimmed around a little bit. You know what I mean? So I don't know what part of that would be. I think Justin Timberlake does perfectly fine with what he was given. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. I mean, they put him in that sweater vest or, you know, mm-hmm. they put him in the sweater and they gave him kind of, you know, and he kind of, I don't know if he like put on weight, but he looks a little bit like rounder in the face. And I, I took him as a perfect cuckold. Honestly, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, this guy's wife would be fucking everybody around him and he would be completely clueless. Yeah. So, I mean, he fit the role of like, when I saw you, when you experience him, I'm like, this is, this guy would be have this going on around him and that's what i would give to him you, you know seem a little dweeby right yeah i mean a little dweeby a little um uh aloof you know yeah, like, yeah, that's what i'm sure. even going mm-hmm. for you know he's like he's like the happy side of folk where he's like we're all we're all friends this we're the we're the folk you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's the undertone that both him and troy are kind of like maybe more godly because mm-hmm. then they're oh, a little religious yeah because yeah. they don't cuss mm-hmm. or anything like that and so i always i i or i i always i found that very interesting in this viewing because it's it's um, it is odd, like how the different degrees of folk that there is. Yeah, you know what I mean. The different people that live within that spectrum, and I, it's like I wonder if the Cohen brothers are like folk fans, and that like, these are like people that they've kind of known through their lives that they wanted to write into a yeah. story. You know, um, what was I gonna say? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Justin Timberlake did a good job, and I think his character, as much as I would have actually liked to have seen more of him, he's in it just enough to get what we need out of him. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? For sure. So, um, I, I found it very interesting that he was in this movie. I didn't at all. Yeah. Cause I didn't think that he, maybe he would want to be in a Coen brother movie. I didn't think that the Coen brothers would have like reached out for picked him and picked right. him. I yeah. think it would have to maybe have been exactly the first thing, which yeah. would have been him more reaching out and shown interest in a role and them doing a musical driven film. Speaking of which, I want to talk about this piece of trivia that I found out. Um, I want to talk about the actors that tried to, or that like tried out for the role of Lewin Davis. Oh, that's interesting. What year did this movie come out? This came out 2013. Okay. I want to see something in this idiots. Cause that was, that's one thing I would say is that Justin Timberlake was coming off of in time, which came out in 2011 and that gave him a shit ton of acting credit. Yeah. That movie's like held to like a weirdly high tier for some reason. So that would be my best guess is that (laughs) they were shooting this movie. We saw that movie in the theater, didn't we? I've never seen that movie in my life. It's all right. Oh no, it's, it's not a good one. No, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. I I never, but people hold, I've seen so much where people are like, that's like one of the best movies. I think that's more like Facebook, like movie criticism. (laughs) 
forever. Wow. 24 forever. <laughs> yeah, when then they have like 24 hours. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. They, but they stay the same age. Oh, I thought you were talking about the fans are 24 oh. forever. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that too. Yeah, that I mean, movie's... it's like Twilight fans are in time fans, you know, but... <laughs> Um, um, my, just in time. I was just gonna say that's my kind of a guess I would make is that coming off of the Social Network in 2010 and then oh, in right. time in 2011, so, yeah. he was just right at that. It's kind of like what we were talking about, Sam Neill coming Tim out of Lee Jurassic was Park. In Social Network? Yes, yeah, he's yeah, he, the shitty guy that convinces Jesse Eisenberg to not keep fucking what's his face in totally Andrew Garfield. Don't even remember that movie then. That's right. That is David Fincher, and so I find that very interesting that like a director like him would work with Justin Timberlake. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, but that's pre all the, I mean, no, yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's pre all of this. It's just very interesting that I, I didn't realize how, how reputable Justin Timberlake was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think even in this, basically from 2010 to like 2015 was when he was like most, you know, recordable as a, uh, an actor. movie actor. Yeah. 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 I want to talk about some of the actors that tried out for no, I am interested uh, in Lewin, and so um, Casey Affleck tried out Scott Avitt from the Avitt Brothers. I think that they're a folk band. Um, Michael Fosbender tried out for Lewin Davis, and that that's interesting because he's been in a movie forward film before in fred is that what it's called the oh, where he wears right. the head the head yeah mm-hmm. the weird like paper mache head yeah um ryan reynolds also tried out for this part i feel oh, like he God. tries out for every part that would have been horrible <laughs> if it was ryan reynolds yes <laughs> and then the, he, he just has he's he's gonna play the same character he always plays even if it's a different character See, i don't want to believe that i like want to believe van that this wilder would, but yeah. like more tame i want to <laughs> believe that this would have been like him being like his Jim Carrey or Steve Carell, where this was like him turning on his serious acting chops and Has actually trying that? to be not that anything I can think I of. I think this there's on my head, one but... movie Hillary told me about a long time oh, ago. Oh, there's the Amityville horror where he was serious. Mm. I think there was one called, I think it was Chaos Theory. There and, might, it might be something else. Was Ryan Reynolds in Amityville horror? See. Now I'm freaking out. Um, well, and he's in that movie Buried, the one where he gets oh, right. buried well, he alive. Oh, right, gets buried alive. Yeah. The trailer for that movie was kind of fucking wild. Mm-hmm. That made me want to watch that movie, and I never did. <laughs> um, was he in the Amityville Horror? Uh, I'm trying to figure it out for you. Let me see. Yeah, I guess I, guess I should have just looked up Amityville Horror and not fucking Ryan Reynolds' acting career. He was in the Amityville Horror. The remake from 2005. 2005. And so I feel like he he did an, a serious mm-hmm. role there. I guess my point being is I I could believe that Ryan Reynolds could have done Lewin Davis seriously. You know, yeah. I almost want to believe that he could turn his acting Do you think that that would have been an I don't as think good would, movie? No, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I think Oscar Isaac was perfect handpicked for this. You know um, what I mean? Especially the fact that he can actually sing. Mm-hmm. He just has that that, mm. gr- that that ruggedness to him that's more authentic, I guess yeah. is even what I'd say. It's not like an actor looking rugged he's just a rugged looking guy that acts you know yeah speaking so, of which i love his beard yeah no in this movie he looks great beautiful um there's one last in quotes actor that tried out for this role mm-hmm. for lewin davis i hope it's andy sandberg no it is <laughs> connor obrist from bright eyes oh really Isn't the that singer of bright eyes fucking wild that would have been cool. kind of fun you know <laughs> that th- i feel like this movie would have a completely different cult following if that had happened you know what i mean yeah. i feel like this movie might be more noticeable if that had happened people would be like oh that's the bright eyes movie right you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, that's the guy from yeah, Bright Eyes. It's almost like across the universe and how it's like, yeah. oh, that's the Beatles movie. Yeah, exactly. 
that's so true. Back to uh, real quick. Back to yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> um, so the movie wow. I was talking about, Chaos Theory. Um, apparently, he plays a more serious role in that movie. Uh huh. And it's about he kind of has like OCD and like time management issues. Not issues, but like he's very. His OCD revolves around time management. Okay. And I think, like, somebody he loves, like, switches his clock by, like, two minutes. Oh, and so he's and like, so fucks up his whole... Yeah, it fucks up everything <laughs> for him. And it's just him going through that. I think that's what it's about. Interesting. So, if not, you should get working on that screenplay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I just read the synopsis, and it sounds like that's what it's about. But I, I remember Hillary telling me about it, and I think that's what she said. Okay. <laughs> Um, does anyone want to say anything before we go into our break? Yeah, I was going to say, we should take a quick break. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll finish talking about Inside Lewin Davis. One second, please. Please, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, oh. I don't want to go. Hey guys, welcome back from the break. Uh, this is Inside Lou and Davis. Hey, Paul Damien's first uh, uh, bring back. I, guess. I think I think I did one last week on Ringo. Oh, you did? I think so. Uh, okay. <laughs> I want to be Inside Lou and Davis. If you know what I'm saying? Oh no. Um, <laughs> That's him getting you out. <laughs> Outside Lou and Davis. Um, but we're talking about. Uh, the folk music still yeah, and yes. there's this one beautiful song uh, <laughs> uh, Please Mr. Kennedy mm-hmm. and that song I've listened to maybe 500 times <laughs> without watching this movie it's awesome I mean it makes sense because it, it's song. just a perfect storm of like actors to, like and I know it promotes it on like Facebook and YouTube and shit and it's like it's one of those things you'd look at and be like why is this happening you know? so <laughs> yeah I was uh, like holy shit Adam Driver's in this movie yeah exactly. being weird Sounds like him. And what is Al Cody? That's yeah, Al Cody. Al Cody. Um, how do you guys feel about this song? Is, do you think it's a good song? Like, would y'all listen I fucking thought it was good. Think it's a banger. Song. I thought it was good. Um, a, a little weird, a little quirky, but I still enjoyed the hell out of it. It <laughs> sounds like something that would have been popular in like the '60s or some shit. Yeah. So it totally makes sense to me. You know, like um, it sounds like a gimmick song. And there's even those people at the like little dinner party. They're like, mm. "Oh, we heard that song. That's gonna be a real big hit." You know, and it's like, I think. I think it could have been. You know and I mean? that's why I think it's funny is that he signs off to where he doesn't get any royalties on it. And so the comment they're making in that scene, they're like, the royalties on that are going to be fucking great. And he's <laughs> <Yeah>. just like... <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that song is dope. We have Adam Driver playing Al Cody. We have Justin mm. Timberlake playing Jim. We, I think it's just Jim. <laughs> Jim and Jane. Yeah, we Gene, yeah, Jim and Gene. Gene. Yeah, okay. yeah, I don't think they ever say a last mm-hmm. name for them. Um, and then, yeah, of course, uh, Lewin Davis is playing backup guitar and mm-hmm. backup vocals. And I love Al Cody in this scene because it's revealed later that he's definitely a musician, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. only there for like the ad libs yeah. of like the 1960s. The goofiest part of it yeah. in the song, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's and just he's perfect. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I urge everyone. I, I probably played the song coming back into this from the break, <laughs> but I urge everyone to go look it up if you have not seen this movie. And even if you have seen this movie mm-hmm. and you haven't seen it in a while, go look up this scene. Because it's, so it's fucking good. And I've watched it <laughs> so many times. And you're, it, Kenny said on the break, like, 
Justin Timberlake's acting in this scene specifically where he's like, who wrote this? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I appreciate it. And Oscar Isaac's like, I appreciate the gig, but who wrote this? And Justin Timberlake's just, I did. <laughs> he so just looks good. so aloof. I mean, he yeah. looks like a guy whose wife is cheating on him. You know? like, so it makes perfect sense. And you that's why I think in spite of it being a little weird, he's in the movie, he does the best he can yeah. with the mm-hmm. role. You know what I mean? Imagine if it was like Jared Leto or something. He'd have totally fucking overdone it. You know? Oh yeah. my God, I hate Jared Leto. Oh, that would have been terrible. Yeah. That <laughs> like been... licking his finger or something while he <laughs> said the line and be like, why? He would have given people like presents of like erect rats or yeah. something. And then yeah. he'd have been pissed that his scenes got cut. You know? just... <laughs> God damn it. Has, has anyone seen the movie just recently with him and, and Denzel Washington? Yes. And... Uh, no. Did we talk about it on this podcast? What movie? No, I don't think we The ever... Little Things. Yeah, The Little Things. It's really oh. called The Little Things. I want to watch what it, but yeah, I haven't seen it. It's called The Little yet. Things. It's because the little things get you caught. Oh, uh, okay. But what were you saying, Paul Damien? I, I, I want to watch it. I just haven't seen it yet. I yeah. heard that it's like just run of the mill, like exactly what you expect. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. No, there's one good scene. And unfortunately, it's completely based around Jared Leto. And it's him. It's where they're like interrogating him. For Is the he one, just like, this, I'm the Joker? Basically. <laughs> exactly. He's like, are you going to keep my scenes in this movie? Or I'm not saying shit right now. <laughs> I'm going to cut your scenes like the Joker. <laughs> um, okay, but, I'll tell you where they are. <laughs> but it is very cookie cutter uh, murder mystery after that. And okay. I wouldn't even call it murder mystery because there's, I mean, the mystery would be giving it a lot of credit. So I think the biggest draw for me the, for, for this movie is Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. And I hear that he's very milquetoast within it. Well, and yeah, exactly. It's, it's like him playing a role that he's it's like him playing a role that he's not meant to play mm-hmm. and but he's also not really trying to play it's like he's not trying to be the person that he's meant to yeah. be in the movie if that makes sense you know he's like trying to play it in his own style and it just yeah. doesn't work his acting is good it just doesn't it doesn't line up yeah it, it feels like all up. three of these actors are playing parts from three different movies that they yeah. thought they were y'all the never seen of. knives out either huh no, no. damn it because like that movie the thing i have the biggest problem actually, with actually i think i did see it is daniel craig nope doing a foghorn leghorn impression the entire movie and yeah. it's, see i hear all the praise for that really it's, <laughs> it's so rough for me but i think it's because i know how daniel craig sounds you yeah. know what i mean so mm-hmm. to hear this jarring voice come out of his mouth and it doesn't really sound real it doesn't sound authentic it no, sounds right. like acting mm-hmm. it sounds you know over the top and the rest of that movie isn't so the if the whole movie was shot like clue and mm-hmm. it felt like a big theatrical performance, yes. then I'd be like, dude, this Foghorn Leghorn impression is fucking spot on. But he's the only, <laughs> it feels like they pulled him out of the movie Clue and put him into Knives Out, you know? You know, I think I'm discovering, I don't think I've seen a movie with Daniel Craig in it. You've never seen his Bonds? No. I've, I've only never seen, seen Skyfall. Really? Oh, I've seen Tintin. He's apparently um, one of the voices in Tintin. I kind of want to watch... Um... You've seen Vice. You've, you've seen The Last Jedi or whichever Force oh, yeah. Awakens. He, he's uncredited as a stormtrooper in one of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I want to watch that movie Vice where it's he good. plays Dick Cheney. No, he doesn't. That's not. It's uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, oh, you're Christian thinking about, Bale, dude. Exactly. You're I, like, that's Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I used to get them confused all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, they are both what British and no. oh, he's an Aussie, yeah. right? No, he's. The other, the other end of things. They're both he's Irish something. or Scottish. He's one of those. He's Scottish. Who? Daniel Craig? Christian Bale. Oh, Christian Bale. Daniel Craig is, is British. British. So what is... Oh, now I need to find out. What is Christian Bale? I think, so, I think he's Scottish. Well, then, since we're talking about Daniel Craig, uh-huh. um, have y'all ever seen that movie um, Layer Cake? Yes. Yes. No, I haven't. I've oh, wanted to. Yeah. That's a good movie. That is a good movie. Daniel Craig. Christian Bale's really English. It. Okay. Oh, so, he is English? Yeah, they're both he English. Is, he just plays a lot of, like, 
like, or like Scottish or Irish roles. Yeah. Broader UK mm-hmm. roles. Look at that motherfucker. Yeah, he's a crazy man. <laughs> Barely the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, was the second one um, in The Mechanic? Or do you know what movie it's from? No, that ah, what movie is this? He's the Dallas. No, not the no, because he's a he's someone's brother in this movie. God damn it! I literally know what movie it is. Is it the Casey Affleck movie? No, right? It's like yeah, Into, Into the, the furnace. furnace. Thank you. Okay. That's what it is. As soon as you said that, I was like, yes. What is that? <laughs> and that's Woody Harrelson. Also, <laughs> it's Christian Bale, Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson, and, and Casey Affleck. Dude, that's a that's, that's a, movie a great too. cast. That's just a crazy movie. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Um... Anyway, but Inside back on Lewin Davis, Davis. Yeah, yeah, not all the actors that could have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they let's talk about, I guess, the fact that he's always looking for a handout, but mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. someone is like very generous to him, he's very disrespectful to yeah. him. Yeah. Like that's another quality that he has within this movie that I'm like, fuck, man, say thank you one time. You yeah, know what I mean? He's kind of a shitty person. Yeah, because yeah. like he's always looking for a couch to crash on. After mm-hmm. the recording of it, <laughs> please, Mr. Kennedy, yeah. he's like, hey, Al, you got a couch? <laughs> you know? And so he goes and stays on Al's couch. After, dude, there's this one joke that I love in this movie where he, he has a stack of his old records. He has a box of his old records that won't sell and uh, he can't get any royalties off of and so he takes it to Al's because he needs a place to store his shit and he goes to shove it underneath the end table by the couch and there's already a box under the end table full of Al Cody's records that he couldn't sell (laughs) dude that is just the perfect encapsulation of a society of struggling mm-hmm. musicians. Yes. <laughs> That's the chasing the night series. You know, <laughs> <for us. laughs> it's just, it strikes so close to home in so many mm-hmm. weird ways mm-hmm. that it's just like, fuck, this is, this is shit. Dude. Yeah, this That's, sucks. That's something that from our high school life and growing up, we can relate to a lot of this because yeah. we got to grow up right next to some struggling musicians in yeah. a local environment, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to play shitty venues and get by and having to deal with shitty, you know, bookers and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, it was all very, uh, a lot of it was very close to home and stuff that I think we could relate to or, you know, at least yeah. find connection to in that way. Because, um, yeah, exactly, that shit's fucking... Ugh. I guess uh, a big quality that I would have rather lived in this version of it is that we could sit down at the shows. Oh, <laughs> like, <true>. they have <laughs> tables and, and chairs in front of the stage. <laughs> yeah, I really That's like, how it is now, though. I like the oh, atmosphere. True, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the atmosphere of the shows in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it looked like it would have been awesome just to hang out there. Yeah. D- does anyone want to talk about Bud? What's his last name? Paul Damien? I already forgot it. Bud. Bud. I don't know. The guy in Chicago. Oh, Bud Grossman. Bud Grossman. Oh, yeah. You did it. You helped me out. Well, you did look, the before we even talk about Bud Grossman, I want to talk about like the whole John Goodman and, right. yeah, and let's Johnny talk about Five Johnny part Five. first. Because that's kind of the most surreal part of this entire yes. movie, in my opinion, is the entire trip to chicago because Mm -hmm. we i mean it gets more surreal the farther we go along like i thought once we find out that john goodman's a heroin addict it's like okay that was the mystery on why Mm -hmm. everybody's acting like fucking weirdos but not even because i feel like it gets even well it's like even leading up to that moment like why is johnny five all of a sudden like reciting poetry like in this weird cafeteria space that's just incredibly surreal versus the rest of the movie, to right? To me, those people, yeah. those two characters, John Goodman's character and Johnny Five, are literally just Coen brother movie characters that they plucked from two of their other movies and shoved into this movie. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. That, yeah. It's just like completely like, what the fuck is this human kind of mm-hmm. idea? And they have to now exist in this real world look at like the folk music scene. You but know I what thought I mean? John Goodman 
was was such a great character in design because we start off with him and it's just like he's like this crazy like unhinged character that we're just like having to deal with just as much as Lewin Davis but when we get that turnaround that he's just a crazy heroin addict it makes everything connect and make Mm -hmm. sense and it's like well that's why this guy's an asshole acting the way that he is because he's like a paranoid drug user who's like kind of fucked up all the time you know Um, I thought I I thought that all of that is just so that whole part of the movie is so surreal and the only part of the movie you really kind of have to interpret all the way up into its finale where a cop just shows up and just takes johnny away and just leaves him on the side of the road and it's just yeah exactly like what (laughs) when we were watching it ashley was like is is he seriously just gonna leave them and i was like no i think maybe he got in the car to radio some more cops Mm -hmm. and then no he just left like i'm sure he probably radioed more cops but still he just left and that's when i was like Oh well, fuck. Lewin's not gonna stay here. Yeah, I'm a, I have to assume exactly. The cop was like, "Oh well, they're in the middle of nowhere. They're not gonna go anywhere. I'll have this other officer come and pick them up. I'm dealing with this guy on my own time." You know, yeah. like maybe that's meant to. But it's just so exactly. It's so surreal from our character's point of view, which is we, he wait. He's woken up from the entire event, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, what is going on? And then it's it happens so fast, and you're just stuck alone on the side of the road now no keys you know because that was the funny thing when we were watching it and they took him away Myra was like oh i guess he has to be the driver now (laughs) and then he looks and the key's not in the ignition it's like oh no (laughs) what are we gonna do now have does anyone know the story of the odyssey yeah yes Mm -hmm. Um, well enough yeah i mean yeah do these characters fit in in the odyssey because apparently this? this is no apparently this is something that the coen brothers have decidedly chosen was Mm. that this is all a part of the odyssey interesting and which is funny because oh brother where out thou where art thou yeah oh brother where art thou yeah that movie is also the odyssey i love that movie so much yeah that movie is very much the odyssey yeah Yeah. i mean in design and it's very satirical to the writing of the odyssey that i could draw more comparisons directly i'd have to think about what part of yeah well the the story this is directly meant to be pulled from you know what i mean because i immediately think of cyclopses and yeah Medusa, you know <laughs> yeah. and like the bigger threats and not yeah. so much the smaller psychological so, ones yeah yeah <laughs> um but apparently yeah this part is supposedly an idea from the odyssey mm-hmm. and that it's like you know i guess like jumping or not jumping ship but like riding ship with two strange characters mm-hmm. um i guess one of them's a poet <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um but to the point where even the cat's name in the end is ulysses mm-hmm. which is a different version of odysseus mm-hmm. you know what i mean he's like that's its name <laughs> <laughs> um why do you think he left the cat he because he's a sociopath. He's you a, think it was just the ultimate representation of he's only in it for himself? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's literally what it comes down to is that like he he is not willing to help another person. He's only willing to help another person if it's a step up for him. And you know I, what I mean? I felt that even before when um, he hit the animal and he saw the animal limping into that's the l- afterwards that. No, that was before. No, that's after. That's after the fact. Because I think that that's meant to be the cat oh, that he left right. behind. Oh, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. Because I remember thinking like, oh, that's when I that, think it's the, the cat other guy behind. picks him up and it's like, as long as you'll drive the whole yeah. way, bro, I'll fucking go. <laughs> and then, and then when it was limping into the forest, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that looks more like a dog. It, like a it, small dog. I thought maybe it was a raccoon or something. It looked hairier yeah. than the cat. But I think the idea is that Oscar or Lewin to him it was the cat he right. abandoned. Yeah. And, um, it, where when he hits it, like where they show it run into the road, I thought it was the cat. It yeah, meant to look like it. But yeah. once again, I think we're seeing it from his point of view, yeah. which is seeing what he thinks he's seeing. Exactly. Yeah. It's the animal he 
psychologically is is expecting to run out on the road in front of him. Yeah. Um, that part broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, the cat died. I mean... <laughs> So, they lied to you. Hopefully the cat shows up in Akron on the front steps of, I guess, his child. Do you guys want to talk about that? Yeah, why he didn't stop in Akron? Yeah. When he was driving by, I was like, oh, he's going to he's gonna say fuck you to this kid uh-huh. and drive that kid's car to Akron. And then, nope, just completely skips over. Uh, he slams on his brakes right before he hits the cat. Mm-hmm. And you see the kid, like, fucking slingshot <sighs> forward. Yeah. <laughs> Slam. The- yeah. <laughs> And then goes back to sleep. (laughs) And I just thought that that was the movie telling us, like, oh, we're good. We can do whatever the fuck we want with the car now. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I thought for sure that was the movie telling us, like, oh, he's going to pop a Yui go to Akron. No. Do you think that the movie needed all of this? I think that like moment. the extra story? Like the idea of like a once failed, not failed, but rejected abortion. And then the whole idea of Akron. Being... I think it's literally driving home the the character type once again. It's, this, it's so. the same thing as leaving the cat in the car. It's another psychological choice of his to be like, I don't give enough a sh- of a shit about this to actually deal with it. You know, it's yeah, nothing so I genuinely want to confront. I What I want to say about that uh-huh. is my whole theory is I like to believe that um, Diane was because this movie right. is about a circle. Yeah. Right. So I, I like. I like to believe that Diane uh-huh. herself um, was actually dating Mikey. Oh. And he slept with her. Got oh, so her this pregnant. is like your head cannon. Yeah. yeah. Got her pregnant. And that's one of the reasons Mikey killed himself. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Or Diane could just remind him so much of Mikey because they used to be in a relationship or something. And I, I think that's just... The, obviously, that's in my head, but I I, I want to believe that that's what happened. You know what I mean? That's interesting. That's a, uh, that's an interesting like um, no offense, jump to conclusions. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> a little like, bit. But it, it makes me feel like there's it, more. It gives me the story, the reasoning more on why he's not going. It's like giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe yeah. it's more than him just being a sociopath. Yeah. And obviously, it is because either way, he doesn't want to go see the child. Yeah. For his own reasons, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I want to talk about another part that can be looked at and digested mm-hmm. differently depending mm-hmm. on what kind of person you are. And that's the dinner scene at the Gorefines oh. when they ask him to play a song and Mrs. Gorefine, Vivian maybe? Yeah, we'll call her yeah. <laughs> She decides to sing Mikey's parts because um, he's playing a song that was mm-hmm. theirs. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about his reaction in this scene? Real. <laughs> it's like yeah. an authentic reaction to that kind of situation. It's kind of how I think I would even feel in that moment. It's like, what are you doing? You <laughs> know, like literally the what are you doing? That yeah. kind of drove home the whole repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my idea of them just going through life after Mikey. Death. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I And it's once again, you know, them putting him on that pedestal of like, you are this amazing performer. You know, he says, you know, I'm not a, it's not an act, you know, I'm not a performing monkey. And yet that's still once again, how people like that kind of treat people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's like a parlor trick, like he says. And it's why I've always tried to like, be the kind of person that doesn't do that. You know what I mean? It's like hanging out with Rocky. I tried not to talk about art, you know, because this is what I feel like anybody comes up to him, you know? Uh, Kia's husband, Eric, every time he comes into the restaurant, I do everything in my power to not talk about tattoos because I know every other human being walks up to him and is like, oh, dude, I was thinking about this tattoo. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) I just feel like that has got to be so exhausting for these people that I get it. It's an artwork and it is meant to be 
something they can release or show their passion or love through but right. at the same time it's that's not something not, they should be demanded to do on and that's cue. not their whole identity yeah. too you know what i mean yeah it's it's that 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 scene is unfor- like uncomfortably realistic is yeah. what i think is what makes that yeah. scene so unnerving in a way is that it's just it's a real situation that r- real awkward people will put you in and you yeah. have to unfortunately get super frustrated to get out of you know yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I think his reaction is extremely valid. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, once again, like if I were in his shoes, I would have just been, I guess, more gentle about it. Uh Like, Hey guys, is it okay if we don't do Mikey's part? Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for you guys right now. Like, is it okay if we don't? But you kind of said earlier, he doesn't really have that gentle touch of people. It's like, you know, it would, it's not in his best interest to do it gently. So fuck it. Just slap her across the face and be like, shut up woman. You know, honestly, I really did. (laughs) I really did love the fact that he was just all, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I just like the part that after she's like, I can't deal with this and leaves the room. He's like, what? She, I'm yeah. leaving. She didn't have to leave. That's, that's so... He's like, I'm obviously leaving. Like, <laughs> and, she, and then when she started screaming, I was like, what could she be screaming about? She, this isn't even our cat. <laughs> well, and that was one thing Myra got that I thought was so funny is that when he finds the cat again outside the diner, he runs and catches her. She's like, that can't be the same cat. That's she called it right out the cat. Yeah. I thought it was. I looked at its face and I was like, that's not the same cat. I, I was genuinely convinced he just got that lucky. I was, like, it's I, was, I was like, either this is, they couldn't get the other cat back and there's two stand-in cats or this is not the same cat oh you should have got that sound bite where is it scrotum <laughs> where's it scrotum Lewin? <laughs> um, <laughs> no but yeah i mean i i was ready for that turn i think mm-hmm. is no, like, when she was screaming i was like oh, the cat's not theirs because like when the cat jumped into the apartment i was like no one's gonna notice that's not the same cat and i was like oh i guess it's supposed to be the same cat like i was <laughs> yeah, like you were waiting for that shoe to <laughs> yeah. drop i was not i the first i remember first time watching i genuinely was surprised by that i was convinced it was the same cat so when she came out i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I thought he got that lucky. I thought because that's just it. Characters that live in a bubble like this tend to get those mm-hmm. kind of luck, and it's why they live the way they do because yeah. they always get these lucky fucking breaks yeah. that get them out of situations. So I thought that was the Coen Brothers doing that. Like people like this have that kind of luck, where it's just life kind of gets them out of shitty situations, you know. Yeah. But that's why it's kind of a perfect bait and switch of that idea. So there's. Two performances in this movie mm-hmm. where Oscar Isaac, Lewin Davis, like pours his heart out and performs for two different men, one being mm-hmm. Bud Grossman, mm-hmm. one being his father, both of them having lackluster responses. And this goes back on my same idea where it's like his performances are fucking sick and incredible. Yeah. And it just it it's hard to live in this version of this world where other people seem to not think so. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about Bud Grossman's response? It's it's like a real yeah producer's response, you know what I mean, or like a real eight manager's response, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, it's like, his response was kind of the response that I was getting about Lewin Davis. Like, dude, you're amazing, but something's lacking. There. Something's missing. Yeah, it makes me think of that scene in La La Land where she's like sitting with all the other you know blondes or the yeah. redheads in the. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like that, but in the music stand where it's like he is amazing. But so, or he's, but to the standard of everybody else around him, you know what I mean? They're yeah. all that good, you know, but, but they all have a gimmick or something that makes do them. Do you think Troy it. is better? Because Bud Grossman represents Troy. Do you think Troy, the the army man, do you think he's a better performer? He connects with people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. In this world, I think you're right. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I don't I know. Think it's, it's, I think it's he's a more likable character. I think he's that. a more likable He's a more person. sellable character. Yeah. You know, so they can sell his records because, you know, he's this guy, in, this kid in the army mm-hmm. that's making music. He's a good yeah. old boy. Yeah, he's, he's a good he's old boy. He's someone to yeah. promote, you know, where Lewin Davis is like a sad guy who's partner killed himself and so yeah. now he's just stuck on his own it's like what how is he going to connect with people you know he's just well, a Bud sad Grossman story didn't know about the well you know what i mean obviously yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that remark is fucking Dude, good that's one yes. of the heaviest moments in the movie in my opinion and yes. even lewin davis's reaction to it i think is one of the moments where he does the opposite of his character type in his and instead of like throwing it back in bud grossman's face he accepts it as you're right that is good advice i wish i could take it you know and that was like the beginning of him giving up Mm -hmm. yeah no for sure honestly that was one of the most beautiful parts of the movie like just him giving up like it's so sad but the way it was directed the way he acted in it it was so beautiful i like that he doesn't his reaction is almost like underwhelming in a sense of he's just Mm -hmm. like well, that's it. Then. He's like, you know, he's like, that's it. All right. I, I, I tried. I've made yeah. it this far and tried this hard yes. that if I didn't make it there, that's it. You know, and it's just such a you feel his heartbreak, you know, yeah. but in an authentic way, not like a throwing table kind of <laughs> movie way, you know. And um, then, um, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to bring up the dad. Oh, OK. Are, Are we, we ready to move on to the dad or? I, yeah, we can talk about the dad. first. OK. Yeah, that's no problem. So we get the same thing he mm-hmm. plays this wonderful beautiful song uh-huh. and it looks like his dad's finally reacting to something and then we get the joke that no he's just made a bowel movement well yeah he thought it was so good he shit himself huh? <laughs> <laughs> um do you, i mean how do you feel about this like i feel like there's parts of this where i'm just like how many times are we gonna beat this horse mm-hmm. i i felt like that was a little mm. too much well i felt like his with his dad like, you know how everybody was like, are you Hugh Davis's kid? Right. You know, I yeah. feel like his dad was just so well known for being, what, were they Marines? Or I, like... The merchant? You know, he's merchant marine, which is like boat pe- salesmen. Okay. You know what I mean? They just travel across seas with like cargo. cargo. You know, and okay. that's what the merchant marine does. So I think they they just expected more of him and his dad expected more of him in that kind of career field. Mm-hmm. And then when he went on to music, his dad probably saw it as like a disgrace. Sorry. You know, yeah, no. I mean, that's it's 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 just crazy that like yeah. fuck, like we're gonna hit this nail on the head again. You yeah, know what I no, mean? I could agree that we, if anything, don't get enough context on like his relationship to the dad for it to even really matter to have this like this moment where they like try to have a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't really ever get a moment where he. Because we get the scene early on in the movie where he's talking with his sister, but it doesn't make it seem like he necessarily had a bad relationship with his father, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I think that it that scene is a little conflicting is that it's almost one of those scenes you'd get in a movie where it's like, okay, my dad hated me my whole life because I'm a musician, but now this is our moment to exactly right. get, but get past that. But we never really got the hate part of half of it. So, I mean, it's a beautiful scene and it, it's funny because exactly he poops himself, you know? What I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the whole movie could probably live without the part with the dad because exactly bud grossman and is the is um, is the father of approval in my opinion it's in this already movie. the final judgment yeah, yeah, yeah exactly why did we need a judgment even beyond that i guess it's to show now that we pointed out that way maybe it's like this is further than rock bottom well, you know what i mean yeah i felt like it was one of those things where he's like 
Because he said you used to really like this, you know. Yeah. So maybe that was also the, play, the song that he played. Maybe that was also a song that he used to play with Mike. Well, no, that's a fun little you know? Easter egg. Is that the when the sister brings up the record, and she's like, "This is you oh. like singing at like eight years old." That's the song she mentioned. She's like, "Is mm. you singing this song at like eight years old?" And so that's the song he sings to the dad gotcha. at the end. Is literally what the Herring Bay or whatever, you right. know. And so I thought that was like a neat little thing they added. Is that it? Literally, they mentioned he sung it as a child yeah. and even recorded himself singing it because the dad probably liked it and would want a recording. I I think, and then yeah, but I, but I, what I was getting is that I think that that was like he wanted that to be the last song, you okay, know, that yeah. he played. That's and true, yeah. For his father, kind of like it was the first. It's the beginning, it's the end, you right? Know, just like the way the whole movie is, yeah. The beginning is the ending, um, and so I thought it was kind of hilarious when he went to couldn't get his licenses back mm-hmm. and then he's you can see it in his head like oh fuck I have to go play that stupid show. That yeah, she that yeah. Jean told me about. Yeah, at the yeah. gaslight so, for Poppy. Yeah, <laughs> for for Pappy. <laughs> How, okay, let's talk about the secular nature of this movie. Mm-hmm. The the fact that we get so much at the beginning replayed again at the end. Yes. How do you guys feel about this and what the movie's trying to tell us? I think it's just um, it's about cycles essentially you know just people go through cycles at different phases of their life depending on what happens around them Mm -hmm. and this is just a cycle that i feel like he's been stuck in for a while because of his friend's suicide yeah you know what i think what i think the coen brothers were literally sitting in a club (laughs) watching a lady try to perform and some asshole behind them started fucking hackling her and they were like i wonder what drove this guy to be (laughs) here right now yelling at this woman they're like we should write a whole fucking movie about that no, and be no, like, no. He'll the be next like... day they saw him there as well <laughs> performing yeah performing yeah. and they're like that's the fucking guy that was <laughs> yelling <laughs> but exactly i mean i think that's probably where this movie came from if i had to guess from... i can see that <laughs> not actually but i mean wouldn't that be kind of hilarious like <laughs> yeah and it would make perfect sense that it would be something so small to create this this you know there's such a small seed to create this plant from mm-hmm. is like what drove this guy to hackle this poor old woman on stage right now in such aggressive ways where he's like, fuck folk music. It's yeah. for fucking assholes. <laughs> you know, it's like, what would have pushed this man to a point to hate folk music to such a degree? And it's like this story, you know, yeah. this would have pushed mm. this person to a point of being like, fuck this entire place and industry and music platform. I'm fucking done with it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's like a neat way to kind of see this movie as it's exactly this circular form is we're seeing him at his rock bottom and it's like now let's see how we got there you know yeah when he comes off of stage that last time mm-hmm. and pappy says the same thing that he says at the beginning of the movie where it's like hey that's the song you used to play with mikey mm-hmm. um he then again poly- apologizes lewin davis the same way sorry about last night i I'm was an asshole. i'm an asshole and Pap- poppy's like you know we're all assholes yeah. we all do it you know you were drinking whatever and so that means that the previous night to the beginning of the movie, he must have been heckling someone else. Yeah, and he it's does just, it all the time. <laughs> it's just fucking maddening, the idea that, like, sometimes you struggle and you stay struggling forever. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's to show that, because he doesn't really learn any lessons in this movie. We don't see mm-hmm. him kind of evolve out of, as a person ever throughout this movie. Maybe it's showing that, like, as long as you keep allowing the cycle to happen you're going to stay in the cycle yeah there was no real moral to this story other no. than other than that you know yeah that's i think yeah it's something that you have to pull out for yeah. yourself yeah. to prevent yourself like because the idea of like the hero is like something happens something arcs mm-hmm. and so for 
for us to see someone continue the struggle, like it's you know we have to choose I mean, differently for ourselves. I would even argue yeah. that movies like this are kind of like anti stories more in the sense that they're more like how not to be right. than mm-hmm. like how to grow as a person. Yes. You know, it's like this is how you should not grow. You know, and so I think that's a great and it's very Coen Brothers. It's you know it's mm-hmm. a very exactly. I mean, because I would argue No Country for Old Men is very comparable in that way of like the character never really morally grows mm-hmm. from start to finish it's right. just things that happen to him and affect his life you know honestly so. when gene got him the show at the end i and she said the times were going to be there and he just kind of scoffed at it i was like oh watch he's gonna get gonna make it this will be, be the big break. break and then nothing and then it went to continue to show you basically the beginning of the movie uh-huh. yeah and i was like oh shit he's He's just stuck in this rut. Yeah. Like, he's just not getting out of it anytime soon. The act that goes on after him is Bob Dylan. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, do you think the Times is like, like, oh, this is the big folk act right here, Bob <laughs> Dylan. Yeah. Do you think that's the idea? I that's so, so funny. I didn't even realize. Yeah. And then the only real difference, because I, I, I rewound it. I was like, did he change at all? The only real difference is when he gets, like, double punched by the old man yeah. in the alleyway. When in the beginning of the movie he wakes up at the Gorfines. Mm-hmm. In the in, in, at the end of the movie he goes and crawls to, to the, the end, end of the, the alley, alley and's like au revoir, you know, saying goodbye to the old man. And it's like, it's like he's saying goodbye to the audience a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like this is it. This is all you get. You know what I yeah. mean? And then this is me. Yep. It's it's just weird because like the ending plays kind of in reverse order where he already woke up at the Gorfines that next. Before he goes and plays the club, where vices versus the move, the beginning of the movie where he wakes up at the Gorefinds afterwards and lets the cat out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just funny that the cat shows up again at the end of the movie. He doesn't allow it out of the. Yeah, that's the only don't... difference, I guess, is that he doesn't allow it out of the. He manages apartment. to stop it from getting out of the apartment. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the next day it comes out of the apartment. <laughs> See, yeah, because you you interpret it as two different events and not. Us seeing the ending at the beginning. Oh, that's that's how I interpret it too. Same. That's oh, how no, I interpret it. Is well, that two different events? You're seeing them. Y'all are seeing them as two completely different events. Yeah. Like he got beat up in the alley by two different old men on two yes. different occasions. That's what I think. Because because that old man just sounds like any normal person that likes folk music. Because the second time <laughs> he's in the alley with that old man, it doesn't show his face. Yeah. The first time it does show his face. The old man's. Yes. Uh, okay, that's an interesting argument. So you know, to think about it that way, that is interesting. That maybe it because once again to go about how I think the the thought of this movie could have even been determined. It's like starting from the ending and kind of working your way backwards of oh. how did this person get to this point mm-hmm. of like being so rock bottom that he's getting the shit beat out of him in an alley by this old man. And so let's see the events of the week prior leading up to this. So that's how oh. I very much interpret this movie. And so that's the moment good. he gets off stage. And goes and talks is because we're finally seeing like oh this is the this is the end this is the beginning this is how he fucking got here yeah. so mm-hmm. fucked up that he was yelling at an old woman and now he's gonna get the shit beat out of him by her fucking husband you know that's so bad at, so um, um and so like i guess what i'm even getting at is like him waking up in the gore finds is a week before any of those events yeah. you know and him stopping the cat exactly would have just been him successfully stopping the cat so that would have been the so i guess Letting the cat out is technically the first event. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Then, okay, that's interesting. Exactly. I, Letting the cat out is how the whole story starts, yeah. you know? I, I love that I interpreted. It's, it's very subjective in that way where it's like, I think both are valid. I think yeah. it's cool that y'all yeah, exactly. saw it in that different way. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I kept talking about the movie as a cycle. Yeah. 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 That's so fucking cool. I love that. 
Because mm-hmm. it also goes under your theory of like the the Coens, like, well, what would drive a man to be this yeah. way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, good movie. It is a good movie. I agree. What would y'all give it? Um, let me see. I would give it. I really, really liked this movie. That's awesome. So I, think, I really didn't expect you to, so I'm happy oh. that you did, because I genuinely thought this was going to be our first week of a movie that you didn't totally love. So. Hey, you know, so far, I think I've enjoyed just Pretty about all of the movies. Um, I think I would give this movie a 4.2. Wow. I yeah. I really do like this movie a lot. I think it's really well done. And it actually has a lot of rewatch value. I'll I give agree. it that from having seen it. Three times, twice in a week. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely rewatchable. And the music is something to happily come back to. I agree. The music is so fucking Because honestly, good. we didn't know. Fairly Well is also a great song. You know, the Fairly Well, Dude. my honey. They're all good songs. Fairly Well. Um, yeah, I would give it a 4.2. 4.2. Who's next? Yeah, that's actually kind of funny because I will also give it a 4.2. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> so I funny that I really both, enjoyed this movie. Both of y'all are going to rate this movie better than me because <laughs> I'm just going to give it a flat 4.0. Oh, okay. I do mm. really love this movie. I think it's the acting in it is fantastic. I love Coen Brothers films for what they are. I just think uh, overall it could have had little details to kind of overall fulfill it you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think i think gene could have been worked out a little bit more oh, right. i would have appreciated a little bit more gym time like genuinely i think justin timberlake could have had more screen time and it would have definitely added to this movie in some ways of like if anything having him and uh lewin davis like bounce off of each other a little bit to give us a more of a feeling of how shitty lewin davis is yeah. seeing how nice and right. sincere jim was to him you know so little things like that i think could have made this movie like and they had the time to do it, too. It's yeah. not a particularly long film. No. So they had the time to add these little things. And I'm almost convinced they did get shot and just pulled out of it for mm-hmm. the convention of it. Um, but beyond that, I, it is a great little story. Um, and it's a great little slice of life of someone that I feel like we could have known yeah, at a, some definitely. point in time in our lives, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I think it's a great photo. Like a perfect picture of exactly all you need to know about this one dude. Yes. Because it's it's his life in a week over and over. It's his it, record. <laughs> as, as like we would, you know, yeah. see it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's fucking good. I can't wait to show this movie to more people. Because mm-hmm. I feel like this is a lesser known Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I'm yeah. going to make Amber watch it. She didn't have the time to watch it with me. But well, it was I'm on Amazon. At the time of recording this, it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. <laughs> have, have we talked about what we're going to do next week? No, we haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still kind of want to do Young Guns or Tombstone. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Okay, if we're gonna do a western, I, I have you seen Tombstone? If, I don't want to do. If y'all want to do something else, don't care. What I feel like I had mentioned that we uh, had something pretty good already listed for next week. Was that not a thing? Did oh, we? it was it was Lewin Davis was what it was. Yeah, now, we were originally yeah. talking about. Lewin I say Davis. we shouldn't do Sound of Metal because it's kind of another like heavy, heavy dramatic, dramatic. Yeah, drama okay. forward film. Um, you don't want to do something a little freaky and and but we uh, could do like the Killing of the Sacred. Is that what you're looking at? No, no, no. Oh. Or the fall, we could even do the fall, which would be fun. When is I think next week is actually supposed to be Black Widow. I think I have the timeline wrong because oh, really? Black Widow comes out this Thursday, this Friday. Oh, are we watching that? I'm. Is that what you're saying? I was gonna do it for the podcast. Yeah. So I think next okay. week's actually Black Widow. And so for anyone listening right now, this would have given you guys maybe a month 
of it, to have seen, to have seen yeah. him before we put out this episode. So uh, I think actually, yeah, next week is Black Widow. Okay. There okay. you go. I'm down for that. Okay, cool. So we'll talk Black Widow next week. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Instagram. That's in the show notes on this episode. Um, What else? Do we have anything else we need to say here at the end? Just uh, come back for Black Widow. We'll uh, see y'all then, or we'll see you on another time. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Mm